five four three two one zero and liftoff. Dispatches, a production of Blur Bank, is an in-depth look at those living artistic lives. Each episode will feature photographs and audio interviews with narrative pioneers who have taken creativity and publishing in their own hands. From artists to authors, photographers to philosophers, Dispatches will reveal the faces and foundations of those who lead the creative way. Hello everyone, I'm in San Francisco today and I am with graphic designer, art director, Alana Schlenker. How are you today? I'm good, how are you And I doing? got the name right. You got the name right. So That's the most important. We're off on a good foot. It's all, it's all <laughs> downhill. Tell us where you come from. Uh, so I live in Pittsburgh and I have a studio in Brooklyn also. I come from Kutztown, Pennsylvania, which is Whoa. in eastern Pennsylvania, which only someone from eastern Pennsylvania would, would know that. <laughs> What's the name of the town again? It's called Kutztown, K-U-T-Z town. Our, our only claim to fame is Keith Haring is from there, so we're really oh. proud of that. That's but a good yeah. claim to fame. Yeah, I think it's interesting, actually, because it's really uh, kind of like a rural town, but I think it has an interesting relationship to the arts mm. because people who wouldn't otherwise kind of be open to them, realize that you can make a career from it. So, yeah, so yeah, I think yeah. there's like actually really, it's really interesting. But um, but I spent most of my time in New York and, and I moved to Pittsburgh uh, two years ago. And it's funny because last night in Hollywood, we, the, when we, we talked before, I said that my all-time favorite documentary photographer, Gene Smith, did uh-huh. a project on Pittsburgh. Yeah. And last night in LA, his, his either his son or his grandson spoke which is a very rare oh, thing. Cool. So Pittsburgh has been on my mind for the last, uh, my, and my wife went to, to see it. So uh, oh, wow. pretty, and he spoke for three or three and a half hours, wow. which is very rare, but um, it's cool. Pittsburgh yeah. is a great city. Everyone has a weird Pittsburgh connection. So it's kind of fun. I actually think it's kind of like geographically or kind of like San Francisco, but like not as cool looking, <laughs> but kind of with the hills and you, you can yeah, kind of that's true. see everything. But I, I think the architecture is much more interesting here, but it's a cool place. It's, it is. It's, it's good. We got to We got to stand up for Pittsburgh. Yeah. Um, <laughs> New York gets way too much publicity. It does. It does. So you are a graphic designer and an art director. Yes. And when you are wearing those hats, what's the percentage of one over the other? I think they're, I don't, I don't know if you could even say it's this or that because they're, they're pretty interconnected. Okay. Um, but I, w- I guess, you know, the, I think of being a graphic designer as the nitty gritty working at my computer, okay. designing things, and the art director kind of hat overseeing all that. Um, Do you prefer one or the other? No, I like both. I like, I, I think by nature, or at least for me, I, I think graphic design is sort of an entrepreneurial profession, and as an art director and a designer, get to help businesses and individuals um, and kind of end up with your hands in all these different things. So organizing kind of and big concept stuff and production and even editing and then, you know, being like a therapist (laughs) to the client. And um, I like all those things. And I think as much as some days I'm emailing all day and and want to just sit and design, then if I was just designing all day, I'd want to be planning. So I I like kind of getting to do everything. Does one of them feed the other one or did you start with did you start as a graphic designer and then ultimately end up art directing? Yeah, 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 it's both. I, you know, you start as a graphic designer, and um, in a more formal office environment, you would be promoted, you know, to a senior graphic designer or um, and then an art director or whatever. Okay. Um, but working, I work independently. I have my own studio. It kind of just goes hand in hand. But yeah, and I d- guess in school you're sort of trained to be uh, a graphic designer. 
um, and then the art direction, I think, is something you kind of learn more along the way. Art director sounds very exotic. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know, self-professed art director. But, yeah, it's more, it's, it, you know, you get into management and um, hiring talent and, and that kind of stuff. But and so you work on your own. You have your own studio. Yeah. And were you ever tempted or did you ever work for a bigger studio? Is that like a natural progression? Or today, because everybody is remote all the time, do most people just begin on their own? I don't know today. For, for me, it was very natural. Um, I worked in a bunch of positions. And originally, my aim was to be a creative director at a magazine. Like in school, that was kind of like, that will be my big that's your thing. Accomplishment. And then sort of working toward that, uh, I realized, um, you know, I worked at Condé Nast, which, which was like a great learning experience, but I realized I didn't like that sort of corporate environment or that more corporate publishing. And then I moved to an independent publisher. Um, and all along the way, I was doing projects on the side mm-hmm. and gratuitous type, this magazine that I publish. And at some point, I realized... Um, how, how, even as much as I loved the job I was in before I kind of went out on my own, there's something so fulfilling about working for yourself. And even, even emailing and budgeting and doing stuff, um, yeah. that's not fun. It's, it's rewarding because it's for you and it's toward your own thing. So it, it kind of just, it wasn't, it kind of just happened and, and it was like a realization that I had. Um, now I think maybe more people go out on their own right away because they can. I, they can. I think um, so. I also had an interesting conversation with some people about, not to generalize, but, to, you know, it seems like maybe sometimes uh, men go out sooner than women. Uh, like, I, just a, just an observation. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I didn't really have the confidence to do that right away, and I wanted to be somewhere where I could learn. Um but yeah, at some point, I, I still have a lot to learn, but I, I felt I needed to, need to just to do it. I think I can do this. Yeah, and you yeah. can like stay in your jammies until like 2 p.m. and totally, nobody tells you what to do. Yeah, you yeah. can Skype in as long as you're dressed from the waist up. Totally. <laughs> yeah, you just have to remember not to like get anything. You go, oh, I'll forget it. I'll get it later. <laughs> I really want to make like a green screen behind myself that I can like for Skypes or something where yeah. it could be like a busy office or it could be like the beach or You, you can know, have a something. soundtrack playing <laughs> yeah. in the side as well. Sounds like a newsroom yeah, and things yeah. happening yeah, or just, a printing press <laughs> yeah i like that just a big ruse so it seems like it's it's more than me in my office yeah <laughs> and so one of the things you do a lot is you do book design yes and branding yes and book design is a very specific thing and there's a lot of people out there making books that um, i've found that there's sort of a, a there's a knowledge and a specificity to book design that is really interesting and unique and a lot of people are working full-time as book designers and what was it about book design that really put the hooks in you? Yeah I think um, editorial design in general like I said I started out Mm -hmm. wanting to uh, run a magazine and I just I I don't know I guess I do know but you know I've always been drawn to magazines and I don't quite know why that is I, I do know sort of coming from this small town I think uh, you know, I, we had the internet, but it was pretty young, and yeah. magazines were kind of this world into this, this glimpse into like all these other worlds and and culture and art. And so I don't know. I always it was very exciting to me, and and that maybe that kind of feeling is yeah. what is what made me very attracted to them. Um, you know, I I I, I don't know. I, I love them because they're like their own contained little world, and and I love doing interactive projects too, and. Um, branding like you said but um there's something there's something like so complete about mm-hmm. a book that I really like and I like um I 
forget who said it, but someone talks about the choreography of the book, like yeah. the, the kind of pacing as, as you flip through it. And, and I, I just love figuring that out. And, and also, um, you know, typically, I mean, except self-publishing, but even in a way, I'm doing that. But, but when I make a book, I'm, I'm like telling someone else's story or I'm like working with someone to kind of get toward this like one complete object. And I just like that collaborative process. And, and even when I'm working on my own, it, there's still some kind of collaboration with the people I'm interviewing and, sure. and things like that. So I don't know, I just, I find the whole process really enjoyable. I think there's a, there's a permanence with the book as well. Yeah. That there's, you know, humans don't want to get rid of these. They don't want to throw them away. When their houses catch on fire, they run in and they get books and photo albums and things. And I think it's pretty interesting to work on something that's basically like a final statement about that thing. Yeah. And so you look at book design and you have people who are like penguin fanatics who collect all the penguin books and the classic things. And they may not even read the books, but it's like based on the design of how they look and feel. Yeah. And there's something about, I mean, it's this tangible thing that you have and it feels like you own a little piece of that world. It, it makes it yours. And I like that a lot. When you do a book with someone, do they come in with specifics or do they come in blind and say, please help me, I don't know what to do? It really depends. So so there are, so I work with a lot of artists and photographers, also work with publishers. So it, it you know, it also just depends who's coming to me. Um, some people come to me, this is what it is. This is kind of, if it's a photographer, my sequence. Um, these are some ideas that I have. Um, and I start from there. Other people are, yeah, like, I want to make a book. I don't know what to do. <laughs> Help me. Yeah, so it really depends. And, and again, I kind of like doing it both ways. I think I just, you know, get bored doing too much one way or the other way. So yeah. It, but it, it's, I think the best collaboration, whether or not the person knows what they want or doesn't, is just like a mutual openness to each other's ideas. I think that's always like when the best, kind of have the best outcome. Yeah, because it seems like if I'm a photographer and I take work to you I'm, and I'm not a designer, it would behoove me to sort of have, you know, listen to the ideas that yeah, you have. Exactly. But then on, from the other side, you know, it's your book and you need to be happy with it because you're paying for it and you're, it's your work. So I also want, you know, my, the client to be satisfied. So, so there is a back and forth that I, I think is, is really rewarding. When you, do you work, let's say, for example, a photographer, I take a book to uh, Macmillan, mm -hmm. and Macmillan says, oh, we really want to do this book, and this is the designer that we want you to work with. So mm -hmm. are you working as sort of a go-between between the publisher and the artist? Sometimes. Or, uh, typically, the publishers, I mean, when I worked, so I worked at Princeton Architectural Press. Okay, I don't yeah. know if I said that. When I worked in-house, um, I would have a little more communication with the authors sometimes. Um, I guess as a you know, being hired by publishers, sometimes the editor is more the go-between. It really, it really depends on what the project is and who the author is. Um, but yeah, it can work every which way. I, I work with a small publisher called uh, Conveyor. Oh yeah, um, yeah. You know they're them? in New, oh, New Jersey, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and you know, sometimes with them, there's like a lot more uh, conversation with the artist. So it, it really just, it really depends. That's an interesting place because they do a lot of people, they work with a lot of projects that, um, in fact, I just got off, I had a long phone conversation with someone who was using Conveyor. Oh, so great. that's why it's fresh in my mind. But 
Uh, he was a guy who basically self-publishes everything he does, but he's very focused and very serious about it. It's not a haphazard kind of thing, and they really work work, work well for him. Mm -hmm. But um, he's also a guy that knows I don't know enough about photography to do the design on my own. So, yeah. and it seems like those those places are more and more important, and there's more of them because of all the changes in publishing and economics and all that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I, it's really it's really cool to see you know this surge in independent publishing, and they're an independent publisher, but they're also a printer right. and, and so I would like to see and it's happening a little bit um, more independent uh, distribution yes. and you know I think people are yes. starting to fill in all the gaps but uh, distribution still, is a tough one yeah yeah um, so it is, it's interesting because it is it is really changing you know I started gratuitous type five six years ago now and uh, five probably and uh, even in that, it doesn't seem like that much time, but the landscape is really different. Changed, yeah, for sure. Yeah. What um, when it comes to book design influences for you? Were there was there anyone in particular, any style, any publisher that you early on said, "Oh, I love what those guys are doing." Yeah. Uh, gosh. Um, There's on, probably on a the million. Spot, I, yeah, I'm always... Or really influences at all? It doesn't even have to be from publishers, but just where? What do you? What do you? What are the things that you think influence you in regard to designing books? Yeah. Um, I mean, definitely other book designers. Um, I really. There's so much that I love. Uh, and I always just blank when I'm put on the spot. I, I, <laughs> but I, um, I, but one one um, designer who comes to mind is Astrid Stavro, who um, she's now she runs I think they're called Design by Atlas. But she's kind of I mean she's much further along, but it's similar maybe uh, was independent designer mm -hmm. and um, she just did like the most beautiful books. Um, what about music, movies, music, literature, anything music. like that? Uh, you know, music I listen to, but I don't think it necessarily uh, inspires my work, but I like listening to musicians and actually comedians. Like, I listen to a lot of podcasts, and I like listening to them talking about their process because I think there's a lot of yeah. overlap in the way. Um, you were listening to Beyonce when this started. I was started. listening to Beyonce. So well, Beyonce was, like, just playing on my phone as I was sitting down, and I had so to turn off. I don't know why. You don't ever listen to Beyonce and go, oh, this gives me an idea. I'm going to do, uh, you know, this and this and this. No, that I listen happen. to Beyonce. It's more, like, makes me feel like I'm awesome and I can crush whatever I'm working on but not necessarily like here's the answer to the thing <laughs> no but that's good music that incites you yeah yeah, yeah. but I, I I try to read a lot and it's more you know um, ideas I'm reading this really interesting book I just picked it up yesterday um, I thought it was appropriate is it a blur book for San Francisco no, I'm just kidding. no I'm sorry the internet does not exist and um Ooh, it, that sounds right up my alley. <laughs> yeah, that's a cool looking it's book. It's really cool, um, and and it's uh, Sternberg. I love I love their design, also. Wow. But um, but I've I've I like uh, traveling like I am now because I actually get a chance to kind of read and and it, it leads to some interesting ideas. So I had a few ideas from from reading this, so Speak I recommend it. I think I'm going to take a picture of that before I leave. <laughs> For you, what is great design when it comes to book? What is good book design? Uh, if you could dis even describe gosh. it. I think, well, something that is really important to me, in, and it was what makes me pick up uh, a book or a magazine, is their, the surprise of it. There being, not like that the whole thing is, is this crazy object necessarily, although I love that. Yeah. Um, but, but this moment where you turn the page and you see something and, and it surprises you in some way. And it's, it's an element that's unexpected. And, and um, that's what I hope to do in my work. And that's what I really appreciate in other work. Um, 
I think also it's kind of an atten attention to all the small details. Because mm -hmm. book design, actually, there's a lot of, um, there can be a lot of kind of like monotonous typesetting and that kind of thing. But that's where I, I think some really fun details can yeah. emerge. And, and I love kind of um, thinking about um, the, the furniture on the page, the folios and the page numbers and these little things that you think are, are uh, just more technical. I think, I think they can do a lot of fun things and I like to think about them and why they're there and play with them. And so I just think uh, a book, like I said, I keep using this word complete today for some reason, but something that just feels complete and Finished. Full, finished, full of surprises. Considered, which and, is, you know, one of those yes, words, yes, one of those arty words. Yes, And I do love, you know, I'm really partial to interesting production. I, I'm a little bit of a sucker for uh, kind of techniques and, that I haven't seen. And, and with Gertrude's type, I, I always try to uh, find some kind of new fun way to, to let production kind of help um, convey the concept and, and, and surprise. All right. We're going to talk a lot more about gratuitous type, but I'm going to segue sort of backwards here for a second. Okay. Uh, because you've won a lot of different awards. You've gotten a lot of accolades. Uh -huh. And there was one that I singled out only because I went to the ADC Art Directors Club meeting last year, their annual event in Miami, which was really cool yeah. and really fun. I realized I was shaking my head and no one can hear that. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. It's, you can be as animated imagine. as you want. Yeah, well, just imagine this. I'll, I'll do sketches. <laughs> And you won an ADC Young Gun Award. Uh -huh. And how? what do awards mean to you in general? And are they really important to do what it is you're doing? Uh, so I think that's a really good question. Uh, I think um, they, don't, they don't matter per se. You know, I don't think that I will probably get a client because, oh, they saw that I won Young Guns. Because really? It's you don't think so? Because it's a professional award and... and um, and so I don't know that there's an awareness of that with people outside of design who might hire me. Um, and I know, you know, when I applied for Young Guns in previous years and didn't win, it was like, oh, this is stupid. You know, you know, <laughs> yeah. you I hate it, those guys. And, and yeah, and you know, it, it, I, I don't think that it matters, but but it it's validating. I mean, it sounds kind of silly, but it like winning it makes you feel good and makes made me feel more confident as a designer and mm -hmm. it, it was definitely it's a silly thing but like when I was starting out in my kind of mental list of I will have achieved something if this happens or that right. happens that was that was on the list and so that was really cool um but I, I think I think it's more just the validation because I'm also self-taught I didn't mm -hmm. go to design school so I I think I have and many people have but you know the imposter syndrome of I don't really know what I'm doing right. I'm not really that good and just you know creative people in general there's this like emotional I like my work I hate my work I'm, yeah you know but uh, but I so think that's a really that important that's yeah. an important point because you said the word confidence earlier yeah. And I'm curious if you are self-taught. Yeah. So there seems to be, if, like if I was a self-taught photographer, there's a tendency of going, like you said, maybe, am I good? Or am I not good? Do I really know what I'm doing? But in the internet age, it seems that everything we do is hyper-analyzed immediately after we do it. Yeah. And do you think that that's one of the reasons why, like an award like this, is going out to a broader audience of, of highly skilled people and they go, look, you you are actually good. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I don't know if, if, the internet validates that more or not. I mean, it probably even less so because oh, you can just, just find so much more good stuff out there. Yeah. And, 
And, and people I, will obliterate you for no reason yes, as well. Yes, yeah. and people will obliterate you because you're successful or whatever, yeah. you know, there's because, you know. That's why we love the internet. Yes, exactly. But um, I, I think just just purely, I think, I, I imagine no matter how successful I am or where in my career I am, I will always have these moments of feeling like, you know, I'm no good at this. And, and I think the accomplishment is just in understanding that that's part of the process and that's how it is. And it's a cyclical feeling that you feel low and then you feel high. And, and just like understanding that it, it's it's temporary mm-hmm. is, is like the best that you can do, or I think is probably the best that I'll be able to do. It's pretty great. Um, but I, yeah, I, I think I think that's the important thing with that. Because so that's one of the things you can... I can think of and say, okay, well, someone thought I was good. Yeah, at one point in time <laughs> in this part. But the funny thing is when I was looking through your site and I saw that, it really jumped out at me yeah. because I'd been to ADC and I yeah. knew them and I was I was like, wow, this is a really amazing organization. And then I was, I was like, she's got her act together. Yeah. You well, know, there, she's I mean, a young gun. There are amazing people who have won and I, I, it is really good company that I'm in. So, Although it's funny, you know. I You're still, a big shot. I, no, I still look around and think, how did it, like... There was some mistake, you know. It's it's just funny how. Uh, <laughs> yeah, your mind plays tricks on you. <laughs> but it was it was cool for sure. But my my boyfriend actually, um, his name is Russ Mantle, and he won it before me, so oh. I was happy to catch up with him. I was gonna say he, that was <laughs> relentless, you know, taunting after he brought that home. I'm sure. Um, so you are not only a graphic designer and an art director, you are also a publisher. Yes. And you publish a magazine called Gratuitous Type which has the best subtitle ever. Thank the you. The occasional pamphlet of typographic smut. I love that. I've read it to myself a thousand times <laughs> over. Like, that's such a great a great title. I was pleased with that, I have to say. So let's talk about the, the orange, origins of this. Yeah. And when we talked before, there was one of, the, one of the things you said that I thought was really interesting because I know it's relevant to so many people working was that the seed of this came about when there was a little bit of being unsettled about the day job. Mm-hmm. So give us a little background on yeah, that. Yeah, so uh, I was working as a designer at Condé Nast, actually, like I said before, and I was learning a lot and I was working with great people, but I wasn't making the work that I wanted to be making. And um, and also just like I kind of said, I've always had this love of magazines, and I just sort of got this itch to to make my own thing, um, to try out ideas, and um, just kind of like find fulfillment for myself because I wasn't finding it in my work. But um, it's it's worked out in the most wonderful way where. Um, in making that thing that I wanted to be making, it then led to opportunities to make that for other people. So it's um, I'm, I'm a real um, advocate for people kind of like going out and just making the stuff they want to make um, if mm-hmm. they're not finding those opportunities because it, it, it leads to other things in really cool ways. Me, me too. I'm a big fan of that. Um, so tell me, you sat there and you were at Condé Nast and you're like, okay, I'm doing this job. It's fine, but I'm not making the work I want to make. Yeah. And this is what I want to make. What was the very first thing you did to make gratuitous type come to fruition? That's a really good question. I think actually I um, I have a weird, um, I don't know if it's that weird, but. It's uh, probably weird. <laughs> the way I usually work with gratuitous type and a lot of things, people always say, or so I've heard people say, um, design the cover last. Yeah. And I actually design the cover first. Oh. I mean, I mean, I start on the cover and then I do the thing and then I come back to the cover. But um, so I actually had sort of like this, not fully formed, but this visualization of, of this cover that, uh, you know, I had noticed um, 
kind of the way graphic designers are sort of obsessed with typography, and particularly in editorial design, you know, there'll be this uh, feature that's it's about Taylor Swift, and there's a big T on the page, yeah. and everyone's like, "Oh God, that's awesome!" awesome. Yeah, and 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 I'm guilt, perfectly guilty of that, but I just thought that that was sort of funny, and then that sort of led me to this idea of. Um, this, this big letter on the cover that's so sort of scintillating that has to be censored. So I had this kind of idea okay. for the cover right away, and that led to the name and the tagline that you mentioned. And that sort of was the first thing, and I sketched it and got excited. I think when I can visualize it, mm -hmm. then I can get excited about it. And before I can visualize it, I have a hard time. Um, so that's where I started. And then I also um, took a trip to Berlin with a friend and, um, you know, my number one to-do list, the step on my to-do list was to visit all the great magazine shops there. Mm. There's Motto and Do You Read Me? And I think seeing all of these great titles kind of was like the kick in the ass to just, okay, I got home and was like, I got to get started on this. So that was like the kind of beginning, I guess. And how long was it between the time that you visualized the cover and to, to where that first magazine was designed and done? Probably a year, maybe okay. a little longer than a year. What took you so long? <laughs> I know, I'm so slow. You should have quit. Quit the job. <laughs> I know. Um, well, I have to say also, um, in, you know, I, I designed it as a magazine and it said issue one, but which, which left it open-ended, but mm -hmm. I wasn't certain that I would do more than one. You know, if I thought no one's going to like it, and like I said, having it's this... It's that confidence thing I again. know. <laughs> having this imposter syndrome, because uh, I was also uh, younger and new, you, you know, even less established, and so I also wondered if people would say, well, who's this person they have no authority to write about design. But, you know, that's not really the world that we're in anymore. Yeah. And and I think also very intentionally, I made gratuitous type. Um, I think it seems personal and not authoritative. Like, it's fun, but um, I'm not at all trying to say, this is design today. Yeah. It, you know, it's not just... Not lecturing. Yeah, it's yeah. just some, some things that I like. But, um, but yeah, I, I did it slowly, and, and I didn't know if I would do more until so you it was like kind of done. So you one foot in, <laughs> you the other foot, I'm not committing. Well, you know, I just I just wanted to see, because also it's really expensive, and yeah. so I don't want to, I mean, it's like my own money pit, but I, I didn't want it to be this thing that I'm just throwing money into, and, and it's or, just a vanity project that yeah. no one's interested in. Or something to be stressed over, and yeah. it like doesn't feel right, yeah. Exactly. So you could have made anything, you could have done a book, you could have <laughs> done a legitimate pamphlet, you yeah. could have done whatever, why did you do a magazine? Uh, what I love about the magazine is you can always do it over. And, I, uh, you know, there's always like, and I think that's, you know, gratuitous type is always redesigned. The size is the same, but otherwise kind of all, everything changes. New. Yeah. And I, I just love the idea of kind of like continuing to perfect and and change and adapt. Um, because I guess, again, like, you know, I just don't want to do the same thing over and over. So the magazine is... Maybe it's also maybe it is also the confidence thing of like if it's a book then it's like it's finished right and if it's a magazine it's finished but here, here's the new one it's better yeah you know? because it's a serial <laughs> publication yeah yeah, yeah no I think it's the perfect format for yeah. serial pubs I like the yeah. openness of that and I think that that's why there's like a lot of really exciting things that happen in magazine design because it is more ephemeral and you can take more risks and and play around because you can always do it again next week or next month or in my case next year or yeah. two years yeah, you're taking way too long <laughs> so the original intention stemmed from 
this restlessness with yeah. work. Yeah. But now that you've done this a few times over and seen the success of it, has the intention of it changed or is it still an outlet for you? It's still an outlet. I mean, I'm definitely I'm definitely more satisfied in my work. I'm working for myself and I have I, I mean, that's like the beautiful thing about doing this magazine is at some point people started to say, can you make this for us? And that's like just the dream. And that's why I did it sort of. And that was part of why I did it in the first place was wanting to do that kind of thing. Um, so there's that, but it, it is still like a great outlet. And it's also like a wonderful excuse to reach out to people I really admire. And I always say sort of like steal their secrets and, and whatever I'm interested in. You know, when, it, when I was starting out, all the questions were, how did you get started? And yeah. now it's like, how are you, how is, how are you growing? And, yeah. and so I can kind of um, connect with all these people with this great sort of uh, ruse of like, uh, I'll put you in this magazine if you tell me <laughs> what I want to know. <laughs> That's what I do with the interviews. Yeah. I'm like, I, yeah. this person is great. I want to interview them. Yeah. yeah. So I like to steal the secret ideas. Yeah, I I'm, love uh, it doing another secret recording under the table for this. Yeah. And it's always just like I said, I get excited about production and I have, I'm, I'm just starting the next issue and I, I won't say what I'm doing, but I'm so excited about it. Oh. Uh, just like the kind of what I was saying, like I can't visualize, I was having a hard time visualizing and then I yep. kind of like figured it out. And so I'm, now I'm like really excited to, to get it out there. So I still get excited about kind of like working through new ideas and, and things like that. So what are, let's talk about logistics of, yeah. so you, you, you're still doing, you're doing a lot of work projects on the side, but mm -hmm. then you have gratuitous type. Mm -hmm. What percentage, what are the logistics of doing something like this? Yeah. Well, I would say gratuitous type is probably more on the side and everything else is the full time. The but, full time job. But sometimes and then, it switches. Yeah. yeah. So the logistics of uh, the back and forth or the logistics of gr publishing gratuitous types. Yeah. Just the gratuitous, like what, what does it take to pull something like this off? Yeah. Um, I guess I'm trying to think of where to start, but. Um, like what percentage of your week would be devoted towards gratuitous time? Sometimes 0%, zero. Okay. and sometimes 80%. Right. And, so, you know, it really, really... Comes and goes. Yeah, it really changes. And um, and so it's, I can say, I guess, um, it starts out with the cover, like I was saying. Um, it then moves... I mean, also, I have these running lists of who I want to talk to. And is it you only? You are doing it 100%. Is, it is me only, with the exception of... Uh, the photography I, I don't do. Or sometimes okay. I work with my boyfriend, but I usually hire people to okay. shoot. Um, and I have a proofreader that helps me. I am working on a supplement to gratuitous type that's going to be issue four and a half. Uh, oh, hopefully nice. it'll be out in the fall. And that I'm in for that issue, I'm hiring writers for the first time, but that's specifically for this supplement. Um, in the main parent magazine, I do all the interviews. Um, I just hired an assistant one day a week who helps a little bit with distribution and stuff like that. You are that. running your magazine now. <laughs> it's, it's happening. Yeah, there's it's slowly. <laughs> then you're going to you'll be like, well, I bought an office building. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's my, I, I mean, I definitely kind of my, for better or worse, like my approach to business is like to do it and then figure it out or to figure it out kind of on the fly. But I think, I think that's why. For me, it works because mm -hmm. there's not all the stress of like, I started a business. It's right. just like, I'm doing what I'm interested in. And then as there's more interest, I'm sure. increasing the circulation and, and it's happening and organically. Although, you know, I could always, I mean, if I wanted to do it 100% of the time, I could. And it, would, it could fill all my time if, if I would sure. let it. Um, so there's always more to do. But... <laughs> 
Yeah. And what about distribution? How does that work? Uh, so I distribute it in the U.S. myself. Okay. Um, so I don't work with any intermediary. Um, in uh, the U.K. and Europe, I work with a distributor called Antenna, who's really great. Um, I would like to find distribution in Asia. Um, like, I just basically, for me, went like a, a foreign kind of distribution I'd rather someone else handle. Right, right. Um, and also what I do um, is is I have two different prices. Because with distri- distributors, they take a bigger percentage of the profits. Right. So, like, that's why here I, I do it myself because just economically yeah, it's not sense. that hard to mail within the United States, and then I can keep more of the money. Um, but for international distribution, I actually I raise the cover price a little bit, mm-hmm. and then that kind of offsets, sure, you the, know, the, doing business the with a distributor. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that's worked out really well for me. And then I sell the magazine online, and um, I go to, like, the New York Art Book Fair and sometimes the L.A. Art Book Fair and sometimes smaller book fairs, which is, like, a really great way mm-hmm. to get the magazine out as well and also um, just like meet people it kind of leads to interesting things so that's kind of the main ways it sort of gets out and how many copies are you doing now and is it the same as what you did at the originally no so the first issue was 500 copies okay. um, which was basically like the least I could print offset yeah, yeah. the smallest what's the <laughs> yeah. smallest offset run exactly possible? Yeah. <laughs> and the last issue was 2,000 copies oh boy and the next issue will be more but I haven't quite decided wow. how much more so yeah that's a lot of trips to the post office yeah the worst what no one tells me about publishing is mailing is horrible and yeah. carrying things around is horrible and yeah uh i mean not to, you should still do it but like it's, her- it's that's, horrible you don't yeah. think you don't think about like oh books are really heavy, heavy. <laughs> and actually the last issue um there was this whole thing where um it was delivered on like a semi-truck and they couldn't <gasps> pull into our par- like this parking lot so i had to meet them at like us actually i didn't know i was out of town so my boyfriend and his parents oh boy who you are gotta amazing rope them in. Yeah. <laughs> they like had to meet this truck at like a school parking lot and i mean there's just like all these weird logistics that you kind of again the sort of like i do it and i get it out and then it's like what's the next thing i have to do and you realize oh crap yeah. now it's this part so anytime there's uh, a semi-truck involved <laughs> you know that you are literally publishing yeah, yeah. yeah. and i work for blurb so the, the idea I'm <laughs> the, the, how heavy things are and the yeah, logistics. You know. Oh yeah, that's yeah. why my back hurts really bad. <laughs> and storage is challenging. I, know, I mean, there are a lot of publishers who work with like, um, uh, oh, like place people who will like do your distribution for yeah. you, and yeah. um, or send out to your subscribers. I don't have subscribers, right? Um, because I publish like not really on a schedule, so I don't, I don't want just people asking where their magazines are. Yeah, that's probably good. Um, although I have just started offering. Um, subscriptions to libraries because I think I can handle that. But um, wow, it's growing. The empire, the publishing empire, <laughs> slowly, is growing. Slowly, yeah, it's like the blob or something <laughs> moving really slowly. So one of the things that drives me crazy is yeah. when I'm out in the field and I'm with a lot of photographers, and yeah. I think there's a lot of photographers who are making the kind of work that they could legitimately do this as well. Yeah. But they always find a reason not to do it, and I think one of the things you said to me earlier, which I found really great, was. The, I, the concept of if you make it, people will come. Because yeah. I've pub- done really small runs of magazines in the past, and people are immediately sort of filtering that through the traditional model of how many hundreds of thousands of copies did you make, and how are you distributing, and how are you going to sustain yourself off of the magazine? And I'm like, one, I would never want to sustain myself off of it. Two, I probably couldn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, that's and, my, I have the same answer. <laughs> and three, it's like it was, that's not the, the idea. Yeah. The idea is to show the work in the way that it was originally intended to be seen. But... 
this is not something that you would probably want to live full time off of. But what what do you think about the concept of if you make it, they'll people will come? Yeah. Because obviously you've proven that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I that's what I tell people is like, if, like I said before, if no one's hiring you to do the thing you want to do, then hire yourself, invest in yourself. You can you can spend a lot of money doing that, or you can spend very little money doing that. Like you know, sure. a, you know more th- oh, yeah, better yeah. than anybody. Yeah, yeah. There's amazing resources like Blurb, and there's just there's so many ways to fund your project, print your project, distribute your project. Like there's, you can start very small. Like I said, you can you can kind of you don't have to bite off more than you can chew. You can yeah. do what feels good to you and then grow. And I really, you know, I also struggled starting out with, with this idea of like publishing infrequently and uh, you know do I have to follow these kind of like standard models yeah. Of, yeah. And, and the reality is like there's so much out there in the world no one is like beating down your door for your thing they're occupied with their thing and like yeah. the hundreds thousands of millions other of options. other things so just like do your thing in the way you want to do it as good as you possibly can and that is like what is going to help people like draw people to you and your project so yeah i just i i think there there's no excuse for for not doing because you you can make it work you just you just have to you know figure it out and put that's the time what i tell it. them yeah and then people look at me like i'm crazy and i'm like no really that's why i'm i love the fact that we're doing this interview is that you are the perfect example of someone who just said look work is fine I need the work, but it's not satisfying me yeah. 100%. I want to do this other thing. And you did it. And not only did you do it, but you didn't, you you know, bl- doing it with POD would probably be easier logistically, mm-hmm. would limit you in other ways. Mm-hmm. But you were like, no way, I'm going to do this. And you're doing offset and you're doing the distribution. So if you can do it as an individual, it's like it, you, you are walking yeah. evidence proof that yeah. people can do this. Anyone can do it. And I think like, I think um, something that was really helpful for me and, and maybe is hopefully helpful for other people is I actually started a magazine when I was in college a whole different magazine that's like kind of mortifying to look back on now but it was it was really formative for me in 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 terms of I did it and just like having set out to do something and then accomplish that yeah was some like was fuel for doing more things and so I think if you just if you want to do this big thing and you're overwhelmed by that do a small thing, and then you'll realize you did it, and it wasn't that hard, and like you have that capability, and then it, you know, then you're, if you're like me, you'll be addicted, and you'll just keep doing more things. <laughs> you could literally do my job. I mean, you, <laughs> what you just said was me. That's what I've heard myself say a thousand times. You just do something small and do it, and test it, and see, and then move on. And it's the thing that gets lost in the shuffle, is it's a lot of fun to yeah. do this. Yeah, I mean, because it's yeah. your work. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I do it, you know, and that's why, you know, I would stop when it was, I mean, you know, there's definitely moments that are fun because you you put stress on yourself and it's a lot of money and you find a typo or whatever. But like, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's about like doing what I love. And, and so, yeah. The typo thing is always rough. Yeah. My greatest accomplishment is I tell people I don't cry anymore when I find typos. That's you're you're progressing. You're, you're, that's good. <laughs> Wait, people actually. This this interview is like I have no confidence and I cry. <laughs> oh, uh, no. Just edit that out. No, just kidding. You <laughs> but anyway, it's it's like I mean that's the thing that, that's the thing too about you're talking about books being so permanent. Yeah. But actually, this great realization that I've had is like they are permanent, but there's always mistakes in them. Oh yeah. There's al- there yeah. always will be something, and it's 
you just got to roll with it and move on to the next one. I'm reading an autobiography right now that I absolutely love. And I found a definite typo in this thing. <laughs> and it was a pretty glaring one. And it's an autobiography of an author. Oh, wow. So, you you know, I was like, ooh, wow, that's that's a bad one. Yeah. But, uh, but at yeah. the same time, I was kind of like, yeah, they're human. You know, mm-hmm. we all we all do this. They probably, you know, how many eyes looked at that and, and okayed it? So. Yeah. So another one of the interesting things about this to me is that you started this as personal. Mm-hmm. You started it, but it's now in the collections of places like MoMA and the National Art Library at Victoria and Albert Museum. Mm-hmm. That to me is a really cool aspect of something that was 100% driven by you, that was rec- not only recognized, but then in the collection of these places. What does that mean mean to you? Yeah, um, it's, it's definitely really cool. Uh, it's in the MoMA library um, and that's when I just kind of stumbled across, like looking and saw that it was yeah. listed, and um, it feels really good. And I think, I, you know, someone asked me a while ago, like, what um, is like the legacy I hope to, and I never really thought about that before. Yeah. But I think those sorts of things happening is just what I want out of this. Is just like, in some probably very obscure way, leaving behind this little thing that maybe one person will go visit and find and there'll think, be more oh, than that's one really cool but you know you, you know just having yeah. this because because those are the kinds of things that i get excited about like stumbling across these these old publications and, and right. you know finding these interesting pieces of design that i didn't know about so it's nice thinking about the idea of in the future yeah. that happening for someone else was something that i made Maybe so. Yeah. So that or I mean, that's what's really design like about student it. or somebody finds yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Totally copies it. Yeah, no, that, please do. <laughs> uh, what do you think about things like Blurb and MagCloud? I think I, it's they're just amazing, and and I think like I was saying, it's it's just so cool that um, if you want to publish a book now, you can, and you can get hundreds of copies or you can get one copy. Yeah, it's just an amazing resource, and and uh, I, I'm so happy that. There are all of these ways to get your work out there now because even 10 years ago, you know, Blurb yeah. was around, but like, you know, you couldn't always do that. And, yeah. And so it's relatively new. Still. Yeah. I mean, it's 10 years since like POD was a reality. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing. And I also really love Blurb, like, like particularly with photographers. I know a lot of photographers who kind of also use it to make like proofs and make yeah. one and test it because like a huge part of book design is like you have to. You have to make it and hold it and yeah. know the size and and you, you know you can't just do it on the computer and send it off. Um, so it's nice. That's like an amazing way to work too. Is just just kind of like have these hard proofs. I really like that. Yeah, the maquettes. I think that that's pretty interesting. And one of the questions I get all the time from photographers is if I'm going to take my book to a publisher, do I bring prints? Do I do mm-hmm. it electronically or do a maquette? And I always explain that it depends on the publisher. Some really want to see the maquette because mm-hmm. they want to see your version of what the book is or how you see it. And other publishers do not want to see the maquette. They want to see prints or you know digital projection or whatever. And so do you use Blurb and MagCloud? Do you use it as for, for work yeah. or for your for yeah. play? I use it, usually I use it with clients who um, don't have big budgets. I mean, I really like, you know, I do really big projects with like bigger organizations and then I work like one-on-one with people and sometimes those people have this much and sometimes those people are like, I really don't have much to work with. Yeah. And and it's amazing to still be able to use Blurb and MagCloud to print something that looks really beautiful. And and just be on the hook for one. And just be on the hook for one or 50 or yeah. 100. And uh, so it's it's like a, it's, it's really cool. 
again, like starting out, there were less options. And so it was like, do you want to print offset or do you want to? And it's nice now that I can say, well, here are all your options. Yeah. And, uh, and, and we can use that. And, and sometimes I think also uh, it's nice. They do it. They print a few, and then they're like, oh, and then they order more. Yeah. And so it's like a gateway. So I really like It's a that. gateway drug, for yeah. sure, in publishing. Yeah, yeah. It definitely is. So we were talking earlier, and there's, I think, there's a lot of people out here who are going to listen to what you're doing, see what you're doing, and they're going to say, oh, that's exactly what I've been wanting to do. But for whatever reason, they have not figured out a way to do it, or they've talked themselves out of doing it. So... What would be a suggestion for someone who is just starting out at this and they're like, okay, I listened to this interview. Mm-hmm. I have no more excuses. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow I'm going to get up and I'm going to do something. Like what could be something they could do to help them? Uh, to help them make a book or to help them like do the just thing that they want to make? book, magazine, publish something. I think just get it down on paper or, you know, the screen and start sketching. Because like I said, that's what makes me excited is when I start to see it. So I think you know, starting to plan and just sort of like budgeting that time. Like mm-hmm. like if you're having trouble getting started, just like make yourself sit down for a set amount of time every day for a week or every whatever till you get going. Because sometimes that's the hard part too is just, you know, people say they don't have the time, but there's always a time if, if it's a priority for you. So. I think you said earlier, hire yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a really interesting way of looking at yeah, it. Yeah. Invest in yourself. I just yeah. think, I think it's so important and um, you know, start setting money aside um, just a little bit. Like it's not, you know, I don't, I don't have a lot of money. I didn't, I had even less money when I started out. And it's just, I set it aside and took a year. <laughs> but what if but, I want a diamond plated cover? <laughs> Come on. You sh- I, I support that. Yes. Um, yes. But, you know, I also, I just think don't feel rushed because that's the other thing is like once you start making it, it's like, I just want to get it out there. And it's just, and it's yeah. like just, take your time and also like for me at some point I also have to start stop looking at what's around because yeah. you know because then it's like I, I could change it like That's that a really and I could good do point. that and at some point you have to be like the horse with blinders and just like start working on your thing and and uh that's a really there. good point because yeah. it's so easy now to see so much work yeah. that you I mean if you someone was talking about Flickr earlier I mean it's like an endless well of photography yeah. that if you started going down that rabbit hole you would never take any pictures because there's an endless supply yeah, to look at. Yeah, they've all been made, and yeah. you know, and, they, yeah. and, and so yeah, you gotta just you gotta just do what you want to do. And I also think like for me at least, like gratuitous type I made for myself, and I didn't have. I mean, I do everything backwards, but I had no audience in mind. It was just like this is what I want to make, this is who I want to talk to. But then I I think that that like resonated with people. So I think there make it for you and then there are other people like you out there who will who will see like how authentic it is and and how much of like of your heart is is in it actually i really i always bring this up and i feel bad because i didn't say this but i do credit you can say it now but um uh, i interviewed a studio called raw color um in the last issue of virtuous type and they talk about um they do a lot of personal work mm-hmm. um and much more like expensive, technical, amazing work than I do. Um, but they talk about um, they throw their money out the window and it comes back through the door. And I really love that. That's a great analogy. Yeah, it's yeah. just, it's really beautiful because I, I think you do these projects and it, you kind of like blindly just like toss your money away and your time and like your mm-hmm. your soul and like, and, and then and you don't know what's going to happen, but it somehow kind of like transforms and comes back through the door as these new opportunities. So I love I love that, and I always kind of 
like to, to bring that up. You also used a word that I think is really powerful, which is authentic. Yeah. And I think, let's face it, <laughs> a lot of what we're doing in our lives is not necessarily authentic. Sure. So to do something, and the idea that you do something authentic and you throw your money out and it comes back, I think is absolutely true. And I think when it comes back, it comes back in a form that is so much better mm -hmm. than if you hadn't, if it wasn't authentic and it wasn't yours. Yeah, definitely. I, yeah. So this is a little different question, but the one thing that you don't have uh -huh. that you would really love to have or you need, and it can be a work thing, it can be whatever you think would help facilitate what you're doing in your life. Yeah. Unfortunately, I want so many things. Okay, <laughs> that's okay. We, it is a consumer what I, culture. What I really want now, uh, which is horrible, is a lot of nice furniture. <laughs> a lot of nice, and this is for the studio where you'll be working? Well, you know what, so... Uh, do you have we, a furniture fetish? Is that I what do. it is? Well, okay. the thing is that um, we're because like... Because you're a designer. I'm a designer. And I'm in the middle of kind of buying a house, and so I'm plotting. Um, so I, my great, uh, it hasn't really panned out yet, but my great s scheme is if I can work for furniture or something. Oh, <laughs> so I really I'm want sure some can. really nice furniture. Yeah, so all the furniture designers listening to this podcast. Yes, this no. is my email. <laughs> this is my website. No, I just, yeah, I've, I, want, I want furniture. And all the books. I can never stop buying books. That's a hard thing. <laughs> I just bought this book. I'm dreaming of living in a van. Yeah. And, I... and, and my wife said, well, what are we going to do with the book collection? And I said, I'm going to sell all of it. Yeah. And she was like, do not come home. <laughs> She's the first time ever in 20 years that she said, if you do that, just don't come back. Yeah. Because So I, now I realize I, even if I do live in a van, I'm going to have to have the book somewhere. You should talk to a friend of mine. Do you know Christian Hansen? He's a photographer. I don't of, think he, so. Director. Uh, he like like totally pimped out this van and lives in it and is like driving around. Where is he? Having he a beautiful live? life. Well, in the band. He's in the band, <laughs> but like it, But I think he's I think he's kind of staying on the West Coast, but he's pretty right. nomadic. I mean, he's like driving around and there's also um, this girl um, There's a van. Oh, I think I know who you're going to talk about. Kyle? The one who lives with her dog. In New Mexico. She's actually. with her dog. She has a little dog, I think. Yeah. yeah, she's like a letterpress. She did like the letterpress van. Yeah, I think I met her maybe in Palm Springs a couple of oh, years cool. ago. I think. Cool. There was a woman who came to the Palm Springs Photo Festival that was yeah. living in her van and traveling around. And oh, she had awesome. a little dog. Okay. And she was big in, on Instagram and really leading in a very interesting life. Yeah. And I, yeah. But I've been thinking about this for a long time, so... And I'm, gonna, I'm not going to entirely live in the van, but I'm going to try to live in the van as much as possible. <laughs> but that's in, it's a theory right now more than anything else. So let's talk about what's next for you. Okay. And um, what, what, what amazing things do you have on tap? Uh, so I'm going home uh, tomorrow. Okay, short trip. And uh, wrapping up some client projects and trying to get out this new kind of supplement to gratuitous type before the summer the ends. The secret supplement. It's not secret. Actually, I've been talking about it for a long time. Everybody knows about <laughs> it. It was going to be its own thing. It was going to be called Further Reading. And then I kind of decided to fold it back into Gratuitous Type and make it this half-issue thing. Okay. Um, and then in October, I'm going to come back here to San mm -hmm. Francisco, and I'm going to be a designer in residence at the Facebook Analog Lab. So I'm really that excited about that. Yeah. Big time. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't You're know. You're in the heart I don't know. of Facebook. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I'm I'm watching Silicon Valley to prepare myself. Uh oh, but <laughs> I've, I've heard that's really good. Yeah, it is. It's great. Yeah, it's really great. But and um, yeah, I'm I'm really excited about. It. I'm going to be here through December, 
Um, okay. I'm going to road trip out here and then like road trip. I love back that. You could do it in a van. Dog. We uh, maybe. I mean, we were talking about like we should just buy some kind of weird car to do a road trip, but then it'll break down. I don't Probably. know. Probably. But yeah. yeah, we're going to do a whole. But that's fun. part of the adventure. Yeah. Depending on where you break down. Yes. <laughs> but I, I'm really excited. I'm really excited to to do that residency and um, the Facebook people so far have been really awesome and I know they get like really great people in and it seems like. A really fun opportunity to play and also I really like the idea because I, I do so many different things I have so many different products going on at once my own projects and client projects I like the idea of like focusing on this thing also yeah for a period of time sounds sounds like really um, invigorating so I'm really excited about that and then after that I don't I don't know hopefully I'll have a house and It'll be full of nice furniture. <laughs> <laughs> that you designed, maybe? That, yeah, I would, yeah. Lo- I would love yeah. to do that, too. I'd, I've been wanting to um, do some little stuff for a gratuitous type, like partner with someone to kind of do, like, some book-related objects and things. So oh, maybe really? I'll do that, too. Yeah. Well, Facebook also has a – I think their analog lab has a wood shop, and it's going to be fun, so maybe I'll get to – play around so in a couple of years when i drive my van to new, <laughs> to new york and i go to the gratuitous type corporate office yeah you know, which is probably on fifth avenue no it'll be in greenpoint that's okay, like the greenpoint. only place i go when i'm in new york if i can help okay it. so greenpoint <laughs> i think i can get the van in there so where where is gratuitous type going where is your publishing life going that's a good question um there's so many things i want to do but like i said i'm i'm bad about having a plan but i you know i actually <laughs> i uh at the start of this year in my calendar had there's a task make a list of goals for 2016 oh and i've been kicking it to the next week every week <laughs> so oh now boy. we're in june yeah um yeah you might want to start now <laughs> but i don't know there's there's so many things i want to do um and and what well what's kind of cool is like things I never imagined have just been coming to me. So I got to go to London last fall, or that was maybe two falls ago, and uh, launch the issue at KK Outlet and have have an exhibition there. And then now I'm doing this analog lab thing. And like, I, I feel like um, I am going to make a plan, but also it's cool like just being open. To because there it. are a lot of things like I can't even imagine um, that have kind of happened so uh, definitely we'll roll with it but but I you know I'm going to keep publishing I'd like to do 26 issues but at the rate I'm at that'll just take well, the rest of my life <laughs> yeah 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 um I would like to you know I'm excited about this supplement because it means I'm gonna I'm work, gonna be working with more writers and things and kind of breaking out of the format of gratuitous type a mm-hmm. little bit um I want to travel more with it I want to do you know I did um we haven't even talked about this, but I did a pop-up shop also that was, like, completely unrelated to gratuitous type. That was, okay. like, um, for, like, kind of talking about the gender wage gap. Um, okay. It was yep. a shop called Less Than 100 and um, featured work from uh, female artists and makers, and there were two prices on everything. So depending where the shop's based, uh, men always pay 100%. Women pay a price that reflects the percentage they make compared to men in that uh, state. So I did one in Pittsburgh, and women paid 78%. And we, I did one with um, some artists in New Orleans, and women paid 66% because wow. that's what they make. So, uh, but, but that's crazy. I, I bring it up, I know, I bring it up just because that's been really cool, and I would like to keep doing that, but it's also given me the bug to kind of like do more pop-up shops, and I would really like to do a gratuitous type, set, totally separate from the Lesson 100, but 
a gratuitous type store. There's like a million things. I'm I seeing a gratuitous do. type van. Yes, that gratuitous type around. van. I mean, I when I saw the letterpress van, I was like, oh, that's really tempting to yeah, do. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So as long as my dog could come, then yeah, you gotta then, have space yeah. for the dog. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. So there's there's like a million things I want to do. So. I well, just got to make that list. <laughs> here's to you accomplishing as many of those as humanly possible. <laughs> thank you. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. Yeah, it was wonderful. For me. It was fun. We're going to yeah. do this again tonight yeah, on I stage can't wait. somewhere. This, this was great practice. So yeah. yeah. And uh, I really appreciate it. I know people are going to love hearing what you have to say. Yeah, great. Thanks. Thank you.